You're listening to the Ghost of Dog on the Voice of Dog. This is Rob McWolf, your fellow traveler, and tonight's story is the first of two parts of Winterfall, The Dark Mile, by Lauren Rivers, author of Blue Moon by Iridescent Studios, and you can find more of her stories on Fur Affinity. Read by Solomon Harris, a cuddly badger dad. It has been claimed that the shortest possible horror story reads as follows. The last person in the world sat in a room. There was a knock on the door. In assessment of that claim, an elaboration. For a room, substitute a locomotive and its train. For the last person, her crew. For the world, a landscape cold and uninhabitable. In terms of a knock on the door, we, like the crew, will have to see what can be scavenged. Please enjoy Winterfall, The Dark Mile, by Lauren Rivers, Part 1 of 2. Snow collected on the windows as the train pushed through the Arctic Circle. Her destination was a waypoint somewhere in the distant north, which, according to their information, represented a possible stockpile of resources. Limited to data stored in the computer before the freeze, the records were often incomplete and limited to what was known to the company that built it. Nevertheless, it was deemed a significant enough possibility to warrant an expedition into the frozen landscape of the former region known as Alaska. While cold was nothing new, it seemed to have tightened its grip on everything this far north, with no signs of life and even fewer signs of civilization. Even before the disaster, there were few people who had chosen to live this far from the rest of the world. Yet, perhaps that was why this location had been chosen for a surplus depot, somewhere where the riches of the world before could be tucked away safely for when they were needed, although it was unlikely they ever anticipated what happened. Everyone knew about the disaster that had turned the world into a gigantic snow globe. While there were competing theories as to its origin, what was not in dispute was the fact that the world was held in the vice grip of perpetual winter. Those that had survived this long had learned to adapt or had the good fortune to be in one of the few safe zones, such as they were. Ellie had been born in such a place, one of the few green spaces still known to exist. She had grown up on stories of what was out there and had the curiosity to want to see for herself. Adjusting her uniform in the window's reflection, she suddenly became aware of approaching footsteps. Come to look at the snow angels? he asked. The voice belonged to the train's head of security, Lieutenant Hall. Excuse me? Her ears perked up in confusion. He chuckled at himself. It's a bit of an initiation of sorts around here. This is your first tour, isn't it? The zebra tilted his head toward the shorter hair. It is, she confirmed. I thought so. You had that look about you. Lieutenant Hall. He reached out his hand. Shaking it, she offered a slight smile. Hanson Harper. She glanced back out the window. You were saying? He nodded. Ah, yes. Anytime we get this far north, there tends to be a phenomenon we call snow angels. Really, it's just snow blowing around out there, but every so often you can see a wisp of something, if only for a second. Ellie leaned close to the glass, watching the flurries dance around in the inhospitable cold. Just when she was about to stop looking, she saw what, for a moment, looked like a humanoid figure in the nothingness. And just like that, it was gone. Turning sharply towards him, she glanced back at the window, but where there was that barely perceptible shape, now there was nothing. See? He pointed towards the horizon. No one knows what causes it or how to explain it. The first few times we were up here, people thought folks were imagining things. 
but at this point enough of us have seen them that we kind of consider them our good luck charms. Are they alive? Ellie asked. Damned if I know. I'm not even sure they're anything more than bored military officers looking for something to occupy their imaginations. It gets awfully quiet out here in the white sometimes, Lieutenant Hall shrugged. Anyway, whatever they are, they don't show up on any detection equipment, and they're never there for more than an instant. Ellie looked back, but no matter how hard she searched, they refused to appear. Giving up, she turned back to the zebra. Has anyone ever gone looking? Sure, plenty of times. But no matter what we do, there's never anything out there when we check. It's like they're ghosts. Hall leaned against the window. Some say they're people that didn't make it out of the freeze. Others think they're our punishment for whatever caused the disaster. Me personally, I think they're just interested in us. For what? The young snowshoe hare questioned. Lieutenant Hall tossed up his hands. Maybe they just want someone to talk to. He gestured towards the front of the train. Captain Mallory wants us in the engine. We're approaching the dark mile. Again, looking up at her superior, she tilted her head. What's the dark mile? Up ahead is the sort of dead zone we pass through every time we take the tracks in this direction. Covering an area over 500 miles square, electrical signals are unable to penetrate the bubble through any known technology we have. Ellie paused. Then that means... Exactly. Once we get in there, we're on our own. He urged her forward. Now come on, the captain is waiting. The two walked the rest of the way to the forward cars without comment. Ellie had heard there were a fair amount of legends that came from serving on the train, but now she was about to encounter two in as many hours. As they passed into the situation car, she cast one more glance at the window looking to see if any snow angels traveled alongside the train. To her disappointment, there was nothing. The forward cars were all assigned to train and mission operations. Having only served on the train for a matter of weeks, she had never been this far forward before. Following Lieutenant Hall, she kept her head down as she walked past the various officers going about their duties. Entering the engine, she held her breath as she stepped inside for the first time. Shrouded in subdued light, the bridge was dark, save for the lights emanating from the control consoles and a few accent lights along the ceiling. Standing behind her zebra superior officer, she waited for someone to give her an order. Captain Mallory, Lieutenant Hall, and Ensign Harper reporting as ordered, he said without preamble. Take your stations, the Red Panda commanded. Seated on opposite sides of the engine, Ellie and Lieutenant Hall examined the readouts on their respective consoles. From what she could tell, the train was set to enter the dead zone in a matter of minutes. Uncertain what to expect, she ran a systems diagnostic to confirm everything was operating in maximum efficiency. Mallory observed from behind, placing a paw on her chair. Prepare to send a status update back to the garden. He glanced towards the forward window. The moment we pass into the dark mile, we'll be out of contact until we come out the other side. Yes, sir, she replied. Preparing the information packet, she collected all of the status reports and relevant information, compressing and encrypting the data for transmission. Once she was finished, she held her finger over the button. Transmission ready. Send, he ordered. A moment later, the button was pressed and the information was on its way. It was the last message the train would send for quite a while. All the crew members in the engine looked up as the lights flickered and the train shook slightly upon passing into the dead zone. Lieutenant Hall activated the timer. 4.6 hours until we emerge from the dark mile. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until then we're on our own. Monitor all sensors and report anything unusual. He paced the length of the engine, examining all of their consoles as he made his circuit around the command area. The sensors continued to record data, but it appeared that whichever side of the dead zone it was on, it did not seem to be able to penetrate to the other. 
Moreover, it was almost as if the readings she was getting were not coherent at all. Ellie ran additional diagnostics, but no matter how many times she attempted to correct the output, it seemed to return the same anomalous results. From the diagnostics, the computer repeatedly insisted that all systems were operating normally. Perplexed, she attempted to conduct another scan. Once again, she could not explain what she was seeing. Lieutenant Hall, my console appears to be malfunctioning, she said, at a loss for any sort of explanation. Turning around, he tilted his head. What's wrong? The sensors keep returning some unusual inputs. I can't explain it, she replied. He nodded, understanding. The sensors don't seem to work right in here. It's tough to rely on anything more than a few miles from the train. Don't worry, it's not your console. Her question answered for the moment, she returned to her readings. Still perplexed, she continued to run regular sensor sweeps of the area around the train. But as he had suggested, the readings became more peculiar and unreliable the greater the distance from the train's location. Attempts to improve the sensor resolution failed to make much more than a marginal improvement in the readings she was getting, no matter what she did to increase their effectiveness. The next hour or so passed slowly, with very little worth reporting. Her sensors were practically useless as long as they were traveling within the dark mile, but even so she continued to remain alert for potential threats. Yet every scan continued to return the same readings, with unusual anomalies she could only describe as sensor ghosts. Things would appear from time to time for a moment, and the next would be a completely different location. Every time she would attempt to confirm her readings, they would never return the same results. Ellie thought back to what Lieutenant Hall had told her earlier about the Snow Angels. Perhaps they were playing tricks on her. She imagined they were little more than sentient beings searching for patterns in the chaos, like how people found constellations in the stars. But nevertheless, one could not deny the unusual phenomenon was captivating. When she had caught a glimpse of one, she had almost thought she could make out the shape of a muzzle. But it had come and gone so quickly, she had dismissed it as little more than a random occurrence. From what she had found in the computer logs, some people believed they were actual spirits, while others dismissed the stories as superstition. But no matter what side you were on, the fact that they seemed to follow the train through areas such as this lent credence to some rather unusual theories. Whatever they were, it was the only excuse she could provide at the moment for the confusing readings she was seeing. She was about to run yet another pointless sensor sweep when her console lit up indicating an incoming transmission. In her boredom, she almost glossed over it but the realization of the lit indicator snapped her back into focus. Ellie double-checked her readings, but could not find any indication that this was anything other than what it appeared. Looking up to find the red panda over her shoulder, she offered her report. Captain, we've detected a transmission. Here, in the middle of the dead zone? Lieutenant Hall asked, turning around in surprise. Captain Mallory folded his arms and gestured to Ellie. Let's hear it. Reaching for the flashing button, she activated the speaker. It crackled to life as a voice called out from the darkness. This is Ryan Perry reaching out on the emergency channel. My family and several others have taken refuge in a scientific research station somewhere in northern Alaska. Several of our group are ill and require medical attention. Our supplies are limited and we don't have a lot of time. If you're out there, we need your help. Please send your response on the same frequency. A male voice stated before dissolving into static. Every eye was on her at the same time. Ellie silenced the volume as the message started over. There's nothing else. The message keeps looping. Can you localize the source of the signal? Mallory asked. I'm trying, but in this soup it's hard to tell much of anything, Ellie replied. Can you even get me a direction? The red panda leaned forward. Her ears perking up, she gave a hesitant confirmation. 
I can narrow it down to a general area, but it's scattering every time I try to determine its point of origin. Captain Mallory nodded. Open a channel. He paused a moment and then spoke. This is Captain Owen Mallory responding to your distress call. We are attempting to locate you, but are unable to identify your precise location. Please respond with your current status. Over. Another moment of silence. Ellie looked down to confirm her readings. They're receiving, but I'm still not getting anything other than the same message over and over again. The red panda rubbed his chin, his ears flattening in hesitation. What's our current position? Calling up the train's coordinates, the map displayed on the largest of Lieutenant Hall's screens. Right smack dab in the middle of the dead zone. Edson Harper, what's your best guess as to their current coordinates? He asked. Based on records we have from before the disaster, I do pick up a scientific research station somewhere north of our current position, but we can't reach it with the train. We'd have to get close and go the rest of the way on the snowmobiles. She pointed at the indicated coordinates. The station was deep in the upper regions of Alaska. While there was nothing in the records indicating its purpose, it was large enough to support a small contingent of researchers for a prolonged period of time, likely just in case there was a delay in getting supplies up there. Most likely the station was equipped with several emergency power generators and other supplementary systems designed to last. While it was never intended to be any sort of lifeboat, if you were stranded out in Alaska and needed some place to stay, a place like that would pretty much be heaven. Captain Mallory lowered his muzzle in contemplation. Opinions? Lieutenant Hall folded his arms. I don't know. The fact that we're not getting a response could indicate there's no one there to answer. There could be any number of reasons why they didn't reply to our hail, Ellie said. Seated at the front of the bridge was the only member of the group who hadn't spoken yet. A blonde feline dressed in the train's standard duty uniform, she had been the primary pilot of the train for the last several years. Turning away from her controls, she looked at each member of the group. Based on Ensign Harper's coordinates, I can probably get us close enough that we can pinpoint the exact location of the signal from the train, but we have no way of notifying the garden of our delay. If we go investigate the signal, Captain, it'll put us behind by at least twelve hours. He shrugged. It's your call. Although their primary directive was for salvage operations, it was always up to the captain's discretion for any other situations that were to arise. Given the distance and the time it often took to receive a response from the garden, it was deemed impractical to run every decision through command. While there would be some trepidation if the train was late emerging from the dead zone, distress calls were fairly rare events and more often than not, a potential source for supplies, personnel, or information. Indeed, most of the intelligence the train collected was from its own observations. On the rare occasions when they picked up refugees, they sometimes had information on settlements, caches of supplies, or other things that the train logged in its journeys across the ice. Finally, Captain Mallory nodded. All right, I think it's worth looking into. Lisa, change course. Harper, keep monitoring for any changes in the signal. Lieutenant Hall, I want you to lead the recovery team. Aye, sir, he replied. This was the first of two parts of Winterfall, The Dark Mile, by Lauren Rivers. Read for you by Solomon Harry's A Cuddly Badger Dad. Tune in next time to find out what awaits at the end of The Dark Mile. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog, or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Ghost of Dog.